0: everybody, welcome back. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving and got to spend time with friends and family. I had a great Thanksgiving weekend. I feel well rested and ready to do more podcasting. So without any further delay, let's jump into this week's show. Starting October 13th, a public inquiry into the Trudeau government's unprecedented use of the Emergencies Act during the Freedom Convoy protests last winter will begin public hearings. Dozens of witnesses are expected to take the stand, including Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and prominent convoy organizers like Tamara Leach and Chris Barber. Recall that the Trudeau government invoked the Emergencies Act on February 14th to evict trucks and protesters uh, who were in downtown Ottawa. They were protesting the federal government's vaccine mandates uh, for travel and for the civil service, provincial lockdowns and other restrictions. The emergency measures granted police extraordinary temporary powers to clear people out of downtown Ottawa and allowed banks to freeze the accounts of some of those who had donated to the protests. This commission is the only opportunity Canadians will have for what we hope to be an impartial inquiry into the circumstances that led the Trudeau government to invoke the Emergencies Act. Only the fourth time in Canada's history and only the second in peacetime that a government of Canada has invoked these incredibly draconian powers that curtailed our civil liberties. As we know, as I mentioned earlier, it led to the freezing of bank accounts of people who had given just a few bucks to the convoy, and the convoy itself was removed forcibly as snipers and helicopters patrolled. I was there, witnessing all of this, and I hadn't seen anything like this in real life except in the movies. Now, the law under which the emergency was invoked requires the government to set up this commission, which will look at whether the government's rationale for invoking the emergency made sense. This commission should not be confused with the parliamentary committee, which is also tasked with looking at the emergency. Now, that committee splits on partisan lines and dominated by the liberal NDP alliance. So we know already they're not gonna find anything wrong happened. Our best hope really is this independent commission. Today's guest has a great deal to say about the work of this commission and is possibly even speaking before the commission as it gathers testimony. Please welcome Eva Chipiok to the show. She is an Edmonton-based lawyer with the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms Uh, and worked with Keith Wilson, another lawyer, who represented uh, the Freedom Convoy protests. And they both more recently represented Brian Peckford's challenge to the federal vaccine mandate for travel. So please welcome Eva to the show. Hey, Eva, welcome to my show. Uh, So I wanted to chat with you about the upcoming Public Order Emergency Commission. Um, and uh, I saw you tweeting the other day and you said that this the Public Order Emergency Commission is a great opportunity for Canadians to watch our democracy in action and to learn as the testimony proceeds uh, that the Freedom Convoy protesters were not, as uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau alleged, were a bunch of racists and misogynists, but in fact were a diverse group of um um, uh, Canadians uh, of, from many different backgrounds and uh, with different backgrounds and beliefs. Um, and uh, all of them, and I spoke to many of the protesters there uh, who who were there, support, believed in our civil liberties and individual rights. Um, as someone like you, who was both involved with the Freedom Convoy protests, uh, and originally, I believe you were going to be a counsel for the convoy of the commission. And now I think you're appearing in your own personal capacity. Could you tell our viewers and listeners what the significance of this commission is and
1: why you think it's important? Of course. And uh, Rupa, it's so nice to hear what you have to say. And I understand you live in Ottawa and we're quite close to where the post protests were taking place Mm -hmm. and so it's exactly the kind of evidence that we are really hoping that the commission and the rest of Canada will hear is exactly what you were talking about is that it was really a diverse um, um, variety of Canadians that really came together for a common cause uh, to the nation's capital here in Ottawa and it was i was here for 3 weeks it was really amazing to see and um as you alluded to that is what we are hoping to see the commission do to hear exactly what happened you know what brought people here there was a reason yeah. that people felt compelled to come all the way to Ottawa in the dead of winter. Uh, There was a reason that um, there was incredible support um, for people coming across. We saw the videos as um, truckers and regular Canadians just got involved and started driving from their hometowns. There was financial support, as we all know. So what compelled these people to come, these Canadians to come to Ottawa, stick it out, in the dead of winter and, uh, support one another in a way I honestly have never, ever seen in my lifetime before. And we really hope that the commission will hear that and Canada will have an opportunity to, to hear that yeah. as well.
0: So, uh, Eva, just to clarify, what was your, uh, um, involvement with the freedom convoy protests, um, back in February, what was the nature of your involvement?
1: So we, uh, we were, I, I, and uh, legal counsel with the Justice Centre Okay. and the Justice Centre was contacted by certain indi- protesters that were in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. They reached out to the Justice Centre and that's how I got involved. Um, we got to Ottawa on the request of um, we still represent Tamara Leach, Chris Barber, and some of the other mm-hmm. uh, volunteers that came together, the protesters that were here early on the ground. Yeah. And uh, we were retained as legal counsel to help navigate the any legal issues that were to arise, um, give advice, um, you know, as we all know, yeah. protesting peacefully, uh, peaceful assembly and right of expression, is guaranteed under the charter. And so Mm -hmm. we were just ensuring that um, those guarantees remain and that if there's any hurdles or um, challenges legally, that we're here to support the protesters.
0: Uh, what was your experience like in the initial um, uh, days of the uh, protest? At the very very early on, from a legal point of view, what, what what is it that you experienced? What 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 is it that you saw as a lawyer uh, unfolding as the days um, as as the protesters became increasingly
1: more entrenched in the downtown core? Well, honestly. Um I think we we've used the word unprecedented yeah. for the the protest and what mm-hmm. occurred in Ottawa um, many times. Uh, we've heard that word used yeah. numerously, and I would have to say that it's the same with any legal challenges and legal mm-hmm. issues that we came across. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing about the protest and these clients and the legal issues we faced is anything I've ever seen before. Um, We, we flew in thinking, you know, we're going to be faced with an injunction from the city of Ottawa. Mm -hmm. That seemed to make sense to us. And that would be, we uh, suspected that would be something we would have to defend in court early on. Yeah. Um, That didn't occur. We, we were served with an injunction by a private citizen for honking. So we had that challenge. Um, throughout the time, we mm-hmm. got there were different legal actions, some by the city, one by the city, one by the province, both of which were not served on us. Um, those were ex parte orders. So the party, uh, the city, and the province went to court and asked for an order from the judge without mm-hmm. notifying us. Um, who identified yeah. um, we identified early on to the public that we were on the ground and retained to support and provide legal advice and represent protesters.
0: Did you at all imagine like I have said this many times, I didn't think that the protests would uh, protesters would be here beyond the weekend. Uh, but did you at all think that they would uh, stay here as long as they did?
1: Not at all. Um, And yeah, we got in here after the weekend. So, you know, okay, there, there's that answer. And when we came, we came Mm -hmm. not knowing when how long we were coming for and when we were heading back. Yeah. So I, I, we were in the same boat, um, and and even more so because we only got tidbits from what we saw on mm-hmm. social media or the news, and we weren't really here to see what it was. Once you get here, yeah. once we got here, you could really see what was going on and get a real feel for um, reality of what was on the ground and and all the work and all again the support that was going on here and people working together, again like I've never seen before.
0: I mean, it may sound like a dumb question, but typically with protest movements, uh, do they typically um, normally retain lawyers or a legal team uh, when they're about to protest or engage in civil disobedience?
1: I'm going to use the word unprecedented uh, (laughs) unprecedented again. to yeah. be honest, I don't know if they reach mm-hmm. out, and uh, at some point, probably they do. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they generally have them under on the, on the ground. Okay, I would suspect not. So yeah. I, this is, uh, uh, you know, uh, kudos to the clients to yeah. recognize, especially because of the magnitude and. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chaos that was going on around them, I think they recognized early on that um, I think we need a little bit of legal advice here to make sure uh, and help guide us throughout this time.
0: Yeah, I was struck by the fact that, you know, that's when I first met Keith Wilson and uh, um, that, you know, they had uh, the 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 convoy organizers had uh, a legal team in place uh, and uh, and and that legal team uh, was uh, you know was would would was there at all of these pressers that I attended, uh, during the three weeks of the protesters were here. And I'd never, I've attended my fair share of protests around the world, but I'd never seen, um, you know, a legal team, uh, at any of these, uh, protests. So that, that was quite striking at that time. But, uh, but as you say, you know, they were forward looking and they anticipated problems. And, uh, and so, um, you know, it was, uh, uh, good good on them for uh, having a legal team in
1: place in case anything were to come up and, and just to yeah. put note on that is mm-hmm. that wasn't organized really either at all mm-hmm. um, you know we were contacted I think it was Tuesday yeah yes Tuesday 4pm we mm-hmm. uh, then were got the go ahead to go to Ottawa 10pm we were right. on a plane 5am the next day it you know that nothing was pre-planned pre-organized Grassroots you know it was what I loved and I noticed about what was going on in on in in Ottawa mm-hmm. is it seemed that when there was a need for something those that area of expertise or that requirement just appeared people volunteered they wanted to be there they wanted to support I you know, I felt compelled to help just as much as um, somebody else coming to serve soup or uh, provide some warm clothes. Uh, Mm -hmm. I knew that this was an area I could help in. Uh, We were called, Mm -hmm. didn't hesitate. I know Keith Wilson was the same. Neither of us hesitated to within less than 24 hours from first contact. We were in Ottawa.
0: Yeah. So what what do you personally hope to accomplish by being involved uh, in the commission, either attending as part of the public or, uh, uh, or if you're called as a witness yourself?
1: Definitely it's all about the truth. So mm-hmm. um, one thing people have been asking questions about or um, with the commission is what is it going to accomplish? Mm. Uh, one thing I did mention in the tweet is it isn't meant to be an adversarial process the inquiry. It's meant to be an inquisitorial process, a fact finding evidence process for six weeks. After that, there's one week of policy. So the intent and the goal of the commission is to get all of the information, the evidence out. So that's six weeks. And then after that, and all parties can do this as well, is make pitches to the commission basically about what they suggest change with the Emergencies Act and provide recommendations and policy uh, review of okay. after that portion. Mm-hmm. So it's about getting to the truth, really. That's the goal. That's what I really hope will happen in uh, for the next six, seven weeks, is we get down to the nitty gritty truth of what went on for in, in Ottawa in February.
0: Yeah, Uh, and uh, I'm sure you've heard of the Parliamentary Committee, which, uh, and unlike the Parliamentary Committee, which is also looking into the Emergencies Act, um, uh, the Parliamentary Committee is stacked with this liberal NDP alliance. Um, So we we all hope that this independent commission uh, headed by a nonpartisan judge will be impartial, will be fair and examine all points of view, and not just those coming from the government side, from your experience, both as a lawyer and um, and based on previous public inquiries, um, w- we've had in Canada on a, a range of different issues, what's the likelihood that the commission will actually find the government at fault here? Uh, and I've talked about this many, many times on my show before that courts in Canada generally tend to be very deferential to the government um, of the day. And I wonder um, if, if a similar deference uh, also would extend to independent commissions like this.
1: So I'm going to touch on one thing and that you might have to remind me of the question again. But I did want to mention one thing is. Yeah. Um, I've heard a lot of people also, you know, um, compare to the House of Commons uh, parliamentary Mm -hmm. sessions. From what I know, I don't believe the witnesses are under oath. They may be there at the inquiry, they will be and they will there will be an opportunity to be cross-examined, which there you you do see similarly. So there is um, a little bit different of a process. So that's one thing I wanted to point out because there has been a lot of questions about that. Um, And, you know, while some members of parliament, I've watched some of those sessions, excellent um, questions are being posed, Mm -hmm. but here there's going to be a bit more opportunity for experienced civil litigators to cross-examine these witnesses under oath. Mm -hmm. Um, At the question period, that's another one that I've seen some comparisons I believe those are all generally pre-written the questions and so uh, the other party has an opportunity to have a prepared answer that's not the case here so it it will be a little bit more you have to think on your feet you have to tell the truth Mm -hmm. you're under oath Mm -hmm. and so um we'll see how the witnesses um act in that case And, and we have a wide variety now that are uh have been shown
0: but uh, so the question really was just to, because you said to remind you of the question. I uh, the uh, courts generally tend to be deferential to the government's uh, to the government's views, and we've seen how all of these challenges to the vaccine mandates or lockdowns or restrictions over the course of the last couple of years have just not really succeeded. So I'm wondering, do can should we expect a similar kind of deference from a public commission of this sort?
1: Yeah, really good question. And mm-hmm. I have to say, no, I've been involved yeah. in some of the um challenges in court, and public health advice yeah. is, is a bit different than what we're looking at here. Okay. Um, I can understand courts being deferential to um public health advice, especially in a time where a lot isn't known. Mm-hmm. It, courts generally do say, you know, I'm not the expert. So I, I can I can understand to an extent. Um, where they're coming up where why they're saying that it, it is that's not what they're meant you know they're not they don't have the expertise to be making this kind of decision about public health mm-hmm. they are legal experts and looking at the law um, so I, I understand why they're being deferential there is a team of medical doctors and advisors to the government so you know it's kind of one judge against a big team of medical experts yeah. here we're not seeing the same thing it's a different scenario. The commission is um, very supported. The justice uh, judge Rulo is a commissioner in this case, and he has a big support of people with expertise, and he's able to uh, get advice um, from a variety of people. And the second is this is was a government only decision, um, I think. And while there was some advice or. You know that's questionable because we've heard a lot of whether or not and how much the government got advice on enacting the Emergencies Act. That's going to be a central question yeah. um, to um, the the inquiry. So I I don't think we can compare the two. They are for many reasons distinct.
0: Okay, so, so hypothetically, if the Commission were to find that the government made a mistake invoking the Emergency uh, emergency Act uh, because it didn't meet the threshold of an immediate threat to public safety, um, are there any consequences for the government? Um, as I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but the Commission cannot actually do anything except file a report with which the government can just put on a shelf, right? Is that correct?
1: Yes, in a short answer, yes, and this is why we really are encouraging Canadians to watch and um, appraise the evidence, the situation with their own hands, hear Mm. the evidence, hear um, what is being said, and you know, it is. there is also, as we know, the court of public opinion. If everyone in Canada hears, you know, really what happened on the ground, the facts, Um, They hear whether or not they believe the government was justified in doing it. The court of public opinion has a lot of weight, um, and it ought to. Uh, The government works for us. It's an opportunity, you know, if you think that what you heard at the commission is important and you believe that it wasn't um, properly invoked, and maybe that's what um, the commissioner decides, you could then write to your MP. I think we need to start in Canada um, being a bit more vocal maybe to the politicians about things we want to see and want mm-hmm. to hear from our elected officials.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a point that I've been trying to make as well over the last few months. Uh, and uh, and hopefully more people are thinking along those lines. Uh, but you know, back to the commission, do you believe this commission uh, could potentially be a game changer uh especially if they find um uh, anything irregular in the way the emergency was declared um you know could that uh create legal troubles for the government uh for example even if this commission files a report and it has no teeth um i i assume that this report that the report could be the basis for future lawsuits against the government um how do you see this playing out
1: yeah, well it's really hard to say now about um what can transpire after. Definitely, like you said, will it have teeth? Mm-hmm. And I I think a lot again has to do with public opinion. If it doesn't, um then what what how do as Canadians we make it known that, you know, we need teeth, we need this commission to be heard. Um possibly it could lead to lawsuits, but it's really hard to say right now. Mm-hmm. Um what can transpire it really will depend tomorrow is the first day we're going to get a little insight into how things are going um as a lawyer you know i i do believe in the rule of law and i i have to believe that um everything is going to be proper until we know otherwise
0: yeah so do, do we do we know when uh, the prime minister is expected to take the stand
1: no um so a list has been made public now yeah. um and it's still not known. Um, I think that's something we're going to start to figure out in shortly here in the next couple of days. Yeah. Um, one thing I can tell you is lawyers are terrible at estimating. So um, <laughs> that's going to be one challenging um, part component of all of this. I believe there's about 80 lawyers that are involved for, for all parties. So it's, it's a bit of a logistical nightmare, I believe, for the commission to be um, sorting this out and then having an idea of the witnesses. I suspect, uh, and it would make sense if um, uh-huh. the prime minister and the federal government's evidence comes a bit later in the game, because, you know, that's when the, the Emergencies Act was invoked
0: okay. at the end.
1: So that yeah. would make sense to me.
0: So 80 lawyers. That's uh, quite extraordinary. Is that uh, is that uh, again to use the word unprecedented? And like, is this the biggest ki- uh, public uh, uh, inquiry that we've had in in, in recent times?
1: Uh, probably, it possibly one of the biggest. But what yeah. it is definitely is one that's um, happening at the speed of light. Okay. So that is one of the requirements that uh, resulted from the Emergencies Act mm-hmm. invoking it, you need to set up an inquiry process and have a report by February 20th, yeah. which is the day it was uh, revoked. So mm-hmm. that that part is definitely something I don't think we've seen before. This is the first time with the new Emergencies Act uh, with this requirement in it right. that this uh, process is mm-hmm. uh, being put into place. So uh, the amount of information and all of that. So um, as for 80 lawyers that I couldn't tell you, it is mm-hmm. very big. It mm-hmm. This is something of national importance and significance. So yeah. there are, I believe, 20 parties, some of whom have two yeah. or four lawyers.
0: Okay. Interesting. Well, um, Eva, I'm. Um, I've run out of questions. Is there anything you want to tell um, our viewers and listeners? Um, you know, what do you want them to do um, as far as the commission is concerned? Um, you know, any 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 suggestions? Any advice? Any requests?
1: Yeah, like I said, definitely we want um, yeah. Canadians to tune in, and okay. I understand that some Canadians are feeling. You know, maybe um, this is not going to be a fair process, but it's an opportunity for not only to hear, but also to be heard. Mm -hmm. The commission is taking submissions until the end of October. We encourage everyone, you know, to submit. you could contact us if you want uh, some, you know, help or, or you don't know where to send it to, but it's yeah. on the commission's website. Okay. The commission needs to hear from Canadians. This is about Canada, like I mm-hmm. said, national and um, significance that we've never seen before. Yeah. We have to start making our voices heard. Um, you know, I think that's why people ended up here to begin with. They weren't heard. And we, Canadians need to be heard, and it's time for um, you know people to get again come together, talk to your elected officials. That is what they are for. If you have concerns, questions, address it to them, and you know maybe that'll help with um, yeah. resolving things at some point. But I did want to turn it a little bit over to you again because I I did want to hear um i think it's important that canadians hear what you saw and what people in ottawa saw as well and you yeah. did start with that and I wouldn't mind closing with a little bit more from you.
0: Well, yeah, I, um, what I saw was uh, quite extraordinary um, uh, start to finish. And I didn't expect um, it to unfold the way it did. I didn't expect the protesters to be here as long as they were here for. And uh, it was quite extraordinary. I, um, like I said, I've been to a lot of uh protests in my life uh, overseas, especially. I am originally from India, and it's a land of civil disobedience. Um, And I've seen my fair share of protests, but uh, I've never seen anything quite like this, which was very inclusive, which was very peaceful. It was very Joyful, um, um, you know, it was, it was, it was great. I, uh, you know, I'd come home and I would uh, look at uh, tweets from the CBC and CTV, and they had a completely different uh, take on what was happening, uh, very contra- contrary to what I had experienced. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I was, I kept tweeting about it, and I eventually wrote about it. And, uh, and I, I, I think that was. I feel like it was an important contribution to, um, at that time, to, uh, and a necessary corrective uh, to what I felt was a very corrosive narrative that had unfolded in, in trying to portray the protesters and the truckers as uh, just evil people, and which they were not. Um, uh, in fact, the only bad experience I had at the protest was from a counter-protester who um, uh, confronted me and, uh, and, and was very aggressive uh, but you know I could have I could have you know behaved like I was like the world's biggest victim but I chose not to uh, you know, everybody has their right to air their opinions and uh, views, and, uh, and I respected this individual's right to do that. But, uh, but no, this was, this was an important moment, Eva, in, in, in our country's history, uh, a very important uh, time, um, as you say correctly, um, that uh, these are people who came to the streets because they weren't being heard. And um, and and this was the only way to get heard. Uh, and they would say, "Well, we're honking uh, uh, because we just want to be heard. It's 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 you know this this is, it was a cry for help in some some ways. You know, please hear us. You know, we we just want to have a conversation. And I think that was um, unfortunate that uh, you know I kept hoping that Pr- Prime Minister Justin Trudeau would. Would would see that would see that and eventually um, uh, speak to at least the organizers of the protest or at least address the protesters. Um, given he does that kind of thing uh, when when protests happen in other countries, but it's unfortunate it didn't happen. Uh, but uh, but here we are. I'm hoping that the commission um, takes into account. All of these different viewpoints and uh comes to a fair and impartial conclusion um and uh and as you say it's it's uh, it's usually important that canadians uh, tune in and make their voices heard and uh because it's 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 time to be heard i think
1: and so i i really love and appreciate hearing that from you and that is really what we want canada to hear and one point you made um, is what you heard is, you know, peace and love and unity. Where did the divisiveness and that Mm -hmm. rhetoric come from? From what I heard, never once from the protesters. And I could be wrong, of course, there might be some bad apples here or there. But exactly what you said is the prime minister didn't come out and speak to the protesters what did he do he kind of almost egged them on a little yeah, bit yeah. or calling them a fringe minority which they embraced wholeheartedly yeah. as you know and uh should we tolerate their views racist yeah. misogynist yeah. so where did that rhetoric come from who in who is really the one perpetuating this divisiveness yeah. in this country and i think that we really need to um get to the bottom of that and that's what i i believe will happen in in the next six seven weeks
0: well i hope so too uh, i think it's uh, it's an important time it's a time of healing and uh and and also accountability uh we shouldn't we shouldn't forget accountability which has been completely lacking so far and uh and i hope we uh get to the bottom of uh of what what exactly happened um in february of this past year well eva thank you so much for coming onto the show uh, it's been a great pleasure i loved having Uh, this conversation with you. Uh, Good luck at the commission. And I hope to see you there.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, Happy to come back anytime. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Take care.